where there will be no more tears to shed, no more battles to fight, no more giants to slay, no more mountains to climb, no more tears. No more. You know, some of you were brokenhearted as kids with the death of your pet. You're going to have it there. I believe that. Amen. Because God knows you better than anybody else. Because He made You know, I think of those big, beautiful gates of heaven. Do you know at the gates of heaven, there's a big mat and it says, welcome home. Lord, we just thank you that you are here today. We thank you for the privilege of being able to gather, to worship. We are your church, Lord God. We are your people. And we thank you that we are called out, Lord, to serve you, to serve your purposes, Lord, to do your will, Lord. And Lord, we raise up the Ukraine today to you, Lord, in Jesus' name. We raise up the people of the Ukraine, Lord, and we pray for peace in Jesus' name. We pray, Lord God, for peace, Lord. Let there be peace between Russia and the Ukraine, Lord, in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray for all of those young men, Lord, no matter what uniform they're wearing, be they Ukrainian or Russian, we pray for their souls. We pray for their protection. We pray for their salvation. And we pray, Lord, that you will bring your shalom, that you will bring your peace, we bind every work of destruction in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, for all of those people, Lord, that are caught up in this, Lord God. Whether to be civilians or soldiers, Lord, we pray that you would move in this situation in the name of Jesus Christ. You know, when you become a father, you... you it changes how you see the world. You know, when you have young sons and, and young daughters, it changes your, your perception of everything. You know, all those soldiers, no matter what side they're on, they're human beings. They're somebody's son, somebody's daughter. Most of them don't even want to be there. I, I, I just see so many people right now, they're just taking a place like they're spectators. They're shouting on one side or the other. We need to be praying, people. We need to be praying that God's going to bring this to a swift resolution in Jesus' name. And also, we, we, we pray and we repent, Lord God. We repent of just, you know, consuming these hours of, 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 of TV when we need to be on our knees. We need to be praying, Lord, praying, Lord, that you would just move in this situation. In the precious name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. You know, like I said, we, we got members of this church. Some are Russian, some are Ukrainian. You know, it's so important, people. We're just not getting into the flesh and just, you know, attacking people or demonizing people. Jesus, move. Jesus move. Help us as the church to take our place in Jesus' name. You know the title of the message today is Heaven, Our Home. But you know the, the, the fact is we're not home yet. The reason God has us here is He has a purpose. He wants us to influence our generation 
He wants us to influence our nation and the nations. We are the church, no matter what our nationality is. There is something higher than our earthly citizenship. And that is the fact that we are blood-bought children of the Most High God. And so today, Lord, we lift our hands as members of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And we say, Lord God, would you move by your spirit, move by your spirit, Lord, in the Ukraine, in Russia, in all of the nations, Lord, in Jesus' name. Because we know you are coming back. And we know, Lord God, that there is going to be a great harvest of souls. And we know what the enemy meant for evil. You are going to turn to good in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give a shout of praise to the Lord. We serve a miracle working God. And so I want you to remain standing as we as we read from the Word of God. John chapter 14, if we can put that up on the screen. Heaven, our home. If we can read together, please. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And where I go you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. And how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. How many of you are glad that Jesus Christ is Lord? That God is in control? That He is sitting on the throne? No matter how chaotic or confused our generation may be, Jesus Christ is Lord. And Jesus Christ, our Lord, has gone before us and He is preparing a place for us in glory. A place where you and I belong. You know, a place where every believer, without exception, will one day go. And so today, I'm talking about our future, our destiny. I'm talking about heaven, our home. You see, heaven is such a special place because our Father is enthroned there. Our Savior reigns there. The angels serve there. And the saints of the ages live there. And one day by God's glorious grace, you and I will go there too. And that is why heaven is such a special place. Because ultimately, every one of us, without exception, are going there. 1 Thessalonians 4.16, it says, For the Lord Himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. You know, the, the King James says, and thus we shall always 
be with the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. I think that's beautiful because it is then that the eternal promise of Psalm 23 will be fulfilled because we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That it was David's focus and that must be our focus as well. Amen. And so I think it's interesting that uh, really I found it quite remarkable because of all of the hundreds of books I have at home. I, I, I love books. Janet will tell me, you know, uh, will tell you the early years of our marriage when we would go off on holidays it was just me and her. I would carry bags of books and I would sit down for hours. And after about four or five hours, she'd say, John, can we please go out and do something? <laughs> Anyway, but I found it remarkable for all of the hundreds of books I have at home on so many different subjects, it was most surprising to discover that, that I really had uh, little, if anything, specifically on the subject of heaven. You know, I have many books on, on, on many various subjects like, you know, finding peace in the storm, healing and sickness, forgiveness and failure, victory in the battles and trials of life, growth and faith and freedom, you know, books on releasing the power and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, on building a godly marriage and on raising strong and happy children. You know, our books on leadership, discipleship, and counseling. And yet, in reality, like I said, uh, all of those books relate to this life while saying little or nothing about the next. And in many respects, I think it, 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 it really is an illustration of how, uh, as believers, so many times, our focus is so caught up with the things of this world that we, we neglect, you know, the eternal realities that lie before every one of us. But you know what? This life, with all of its many distractions and desires, passes so quickly. And yet heaven is where we will spend all of eternity. And so I would like us, therefore, this morning to take some time uh, considering our other home, our home in heaven. Amen. Second Corinthians 5 and verse 1. For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with heavens, eternal in the heavens. Amen. A house not made with hands. It says, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Now, I appreciate that to speak so openly and, and confidently of heaven may seem strange to some people here today, or at least to some people watching, you know, particularly in a generation that has been so, you know, blighted by sin and selfishness and cynicism, narcissism, materialism, and superficiality is ours. I know they're big words, but the reality is in many respects, they describe our generation. We are a selfie, obsessed, you know, selfish, self-absorbed generation. And, um, but you know, the reality is this, heaven is real, as is hell, whether we realize it or acknowledge it. Amen. Heaven is real. And heaven is where every blood-bought, redeemed child of God goes after death. And this is why, again, I think it's important to understand that heaven is our home. And that's why you don't fit into those dark places anymore. How many of you, I'm not going to ask you to put your hands up, but you know, some of us, you know, after we got saved, still try to go to some of the old places we went to or hang out with some of the, the crowd we used to, to be with or do some of the things we used to do, but you know what? It didn't bring us satisfaction anymore. Why? We were new. We were changed. Amen. That's why if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And that's why sometimes the best thing you can do is have a funeral service for the old you. 
amen, and some of the old habits, associations, uh, lifestyle, etc., because that man is dead, that woman is dead. You see, the Bible says heaven is our calling and it's our prize, and it, ultimately heaven is where we truly belong. That's why, like I said, there, there is times when people will look at you like you're an alien, and you should just simply say, yeah, you know what, I am, I am an alien, I am passing through, that's why I'm not going to fit in, you know, with, with certain things in this life. Philippians 3.20 says, our citizenship is in heaven, amen, so before you have a, a passport that says Ireland or, or, or Zimbabwe or Brazil or Poland or wherever else, you know, the Philippines, you know, first and foremost, you know, that may be stamped on your passport, but heaven is stamped on your heart. Amen. Hallelujah. Heaven is our home. And that's why as believers we don't die. We simply go home. Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Amen. And that's why I feel so sorry for those who will only realize in eternity what they actually missed. Because if you miss heaven by a millimeter, you might as well have missed it by a mile or by a billion miles. Amen. Because again, whether a person was blinded by atheism or distracted by materialism or deceived by false religion or are simply bound by sin and unbelief. If you reject Christ and the life that he offers through the blood that he shed, you will suffer the punishment of everlasting fire reserved for those who die in their sins. And we just remember there's nothing that can take away your sin other than the blood of Jesus Christ. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. How many of you are glad the blood of Jesus has cleansed you from your sins? Thank you, Father. Amen. That's why it's a throne of grace. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 42, it says, They will throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping, and gnashing of teeth. Here, this almost seems like a paradox because if you're thrown into you know, a burning furnace, you might give a quick sh scream before you're burned up. But uh, here the Bible, you know, uh, here we're presented uh, with this idea of ongoing suffering after death. The Bible says there's weeping and gnashing of teeth in this place because uh, you know, ultimately everyone has an eternal soul. And we will spend eternity in heaven or we will spend it in hell. Matthew 25, 41. Then he will say to those in his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. I believe that God's original plan was that everyone would go to heaven. Will everyone go there? No, clearly not if you know what the Bible says. But it was God's plan that they would because hell was never created or prepared with man in mind. Amen? Because, again, the Bible says it was prepared for the devil and his angels. However, if we reject Christ, God's sinless sacrifice, sadly, that will be our eternal portion. Because, again, as I read, Jesus said, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but by me. The Bible is very clear that Jesus Christ alone is the only way to heaven. You, you know, Allah, Krishna, whoever you want to call on, uh, you know, Dr. Phil, they're not going to get you there. You got to call on Jesus. He shed his blood. He died in your place. Amen. And this is why, again, Jude 1 and verse 7. 
And just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. There is such a thing as eternal fire, a fire that is never quenched, a fire that never ends up consuming you. And I think it is tragic to think that even one person would go to that place that the Bible refers to as hell. Because let me say this, life is too short and eternity is too long to play games with your eternal soul. Either heaven or hell will be the eternal abode of every human being. So make sure you choose heaven. Amen. Make sure you choose heaven. You know, my dear friend, Frank Cairns, he died earlier last year. You know, he was such a wonderful man. He had a living, vibrant faith. He always made a beeline for me after the service. You know, and he would come out with all these, uh, you know, amazing long words to describe the message. I'm sure they were never as good as he, as he was saying, but you know, it was nice, it was nice to hear it. It was encouragement because he was an encourager and he had encouraged Joanne and myself for 30 years, but he was dying and he knew it. Um, I, I think he was uh, about 90 years of age, but um, I, I remember he was in his, his, his bedroom and God gave him this uh, revelation that, you know, Psalm 23 verse 4, yea, do I walk through the valley uh, of the shadow of death. And, you know, God showed him that it's only the shadow of death. Death itself cannot touch the believer. Amen. And so he went to great pains to emphasize to every person who went into the room that it was only the shadow of death. And every person who came into his room, he told them about Jesus Christ. Every one of his family, his relatives, whoever. And um, I remember I was there, I called to the house and he called all of his family up to the room. He said, John, I want you to share the gospel. And I could see in his eyes that he really wanted them to understand to see what he saw, to, to hear what he heard, to know what he knew. And, um, you know, it was, it, was, it was very touching. But, uh, I, you know, not too long before he died, uh, maybe a few hours before he died, or maybe the day before he died, he was, he was sleeping. And his son-in-law was sitting with him in the room. They were taking turns. And suddenly Frank woke up, and for a half an hour, he spoke to his son-in-law about Jesus and about me. <laughs> He loved me, you know, he was so, he was so kind to me, but he, to, he told him about everything I was doing and all the things that we'd been having going on in the church, etc. And then he went back to sleep. And not too long, he went on home to glory. And, uh, but uh, if Sylvia, I was in with Sylvia during the week and um, his, his dear wife, they were married for 67 years. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. That's, that's a beautiful thing. 67 years. Happy years. Amen. But um, she, she was talking to me about how, um, and not long before he died, he was in the room with her, and he cried out with a loud, booming voice. And he said, Lord, if you want me, I'm ready to go. You know what I thought was so beautiful? There was no fear, no frustration. No, no anxiety. You know, uh, he, he was confident. He was, he was looking forward to heaven. Amen. He, he wasn't angry with God. He wasn't, you know, bitter. He wasn't frustrated or, or fearful. Like I said, he wanted to go to heaven. Amen. And so this is the beautiful thing because he had lived for Christ. 
he had served God's purposes and he was able to face, you know, fear. Um, you know, he was able to face death without fear. He was able to smile at the face of death. Why? Because he had done the will of God. He had run his race. And that's why Paul said, I fought the good fight. I finished the course. I've kept the faith. Now there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness uh, for which God has retained for all those who love him. And, you know, that's the beautiful thing. And that's why, you know, Paul the Apostle said, uh, verse 6, I'm already being poured out his drink offering and the time of my departure is at hand. He didn't say the time of my death is at hand. He said the time of my departure. He simply looked on death as a departure lounge whereby it enabled him to leave this world and go to heaven, his home. Amen. And this is why we must look at the life in that way as well. I, I think it's so wonderful to be able to, uh, you know, to be able to say at the end of your life, I have no regrets. You know, I, I held nothing back, Lord. I gave it my, my best shot. Amen. Uh, and this is the beauty that, to think about, you know, the joy that awaits us in heaven. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 9. Here Peter is writing uh, about it and he said, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Why do you refer to them as pilgrims? Because they were just passing through, as are all of us. Irrespective of your nationality, you're just passing through this world. Heaven is our home. And he said, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. How many of you know that there's a place reserved for you at the table? Hallelujah. The marriage supper of the Lamb. There's a place saying your name. Amen. There is a place reserved for us in glory. Thank you, Jesus. Who are kept by the power of God. How many of you believe you're kept by God's power? The devil can't kill you. Amen. He can't, he can't touch you. You're under the blood. You're kept by God's power. And it says, uh, who are kept by God's power, true faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be. You have been grieved by various trials. Anybody going through some trials right now? Two people, okay. I'm not sure what the rest of you are doing. But uh, it says, <laughs> that the genuineness of your faith being much more, pre being much more uh, precious than gold that perishes, true though it is tested by far, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him yet believe him, you rejoice, what? With joy inexpressible and full of glory. King James, joy unspeakable and full of glory. Amen. And so, again, there is a joy that, that is literally unspeakable. There's a joy that you cannot, you cannot express or describe. You can only experience. But I thank God we don't have to wait until heaven to experience it. We can experience it in this life through Jesus Christ. C.S. Lewis, the great British writer, said, Joy is the serious business of heaven. Think about it. A place where joy is literally without limits. Amen. The great American revivalist Jonathan Edwards 
To go to heaven fully to enjoy God is infinitely better than the most pleasant accommodation here. So as good as it can get in this world, as good as it can be in this life, it is nothing compared to what you're going to experience in the next. Amen. Heaven is so beautiful. And again, that seems almost strange to us because we're so focused on the things of this earth. But let's remind ourselves that earth is temporal while heaven is eternal. Billy Graham, my home is in heaven. I'm just traveling through this world, as are you. None of us are here forever, so let's do our best to love God and to love the people that he died for. Amen? It's easy to love God. It's not always easy to love people, but we're called to love people. So let's love people, because we're not here forever. Hebrews 11 and verse 13, it says, And truly, if they had called to mind... Sorry, uh, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on earth. For those who say such things uh, uh, declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come, they would have had opportunity to return. The New Living says, they agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. You know, Jim Elliott, the American missionary who died as a young man trying to reach the Alca Indians in Ecuador. He didn't even make his 30th birthday. But he said, he is no fool who gives that which he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You look at it in the natural, he seems like a fool to die at that age trying to reach, you know, this this pagan tribe. But he laid down his life for a cause that was bigger than his life. And I believe that the Lord has abundantly rewarded him. But let me say this, as good or as bad as life may get at times, let's remind ourselves of this, that you know what? This too shall pass because this is not our home. Heaven is our home. You see, there is a place where there will be no more tears to shed, no more battles to fight, no more giants to slay, no more mountains to climb, no more tears, no more sad goodbyes, no more mysteries or questions. All will be revealed truly in that day. We will not see as true a glass darkly, but rather we shall see face to face. We shall know even as we are known. We shall see the face of God and we shall see him who loved us and died for us. And I believe in these end days that God is restoring to his church a longing. A longing for his peace, a longing for his presence. Amen? A longing to know Him. A longing for a heaven and a longing for home. Say to your, turn to your neighbor and say, heaven is my home. Say, where are you going? <laughs> Five things about heaven very quickly. Firstly, in heaven we will be renewed. Revelation 21 and 16. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling is now among the people, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making 
everything new. Then he said to me, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning, the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. He said, I am making everything new. You know, God is going to make everything gloriously new. In heaven, we will be renewed. And that's the first point because, you know, even those who take the best care of themselves will eventually grow old and sadly die. You know, we go gray. And unfortunately, some of us even lose our hair. I was just talking to a brother. I'm not going to say who he was. Last week, he said, I'm going to go to Turkey and I'm going to get myself some hair. I said, you know what? See if they have a, a two-for-one deal and I'll go with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> hey, it's 2020. It's okay. I'm <laughs> Is it 2022? Seriously. See, I, I just blocked out the last two years. <laughs> But me and Gian, we're going to go get some hair in Jesus' name. So, but anyway, <laughs> some of us lose our hair. Say, not me in Jesus' name. <laughs> but you know what? Be humble. Because one day, some of you that are young and beautiful and attractive will be old. <laughs> not like me. I'm not old in Jesus' name. <laughs> But you know, Ephesians 4, 22 to 24 says, put on the new man. Put on the new man, which is, is you know, recreated in the image of him. And so Ephesians uh, chapter 4 and verse 22, I want to read it. This is so important. And it says, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which goes corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. You have to put on the new man. And to do that, you also have to put off the old man. Yes. Amen. That's why some of you need to drop that attitude. Some of you carry a big chip on your shoulder. And, and you wonder why nothing ever works for you. Amen. That chip is just drawing negativity. It's like going out. Wow, wow, wow. The spirit around. And it's just drawing problems. You know, and it's just drawing all the wrong type of guys, you know, and our, our girls are, uh, you know, you, you, you're just radiating negativity. No, you know, drop that. Drop the old man. Some of, the ha some of you have had habits for 30, 40 years, and you have to drop those habits if you want to step into what God has for you. Some of you, it's some relationships, some toxic relationships. You just need to let them go. Amen? And, and so anyway... God wants us, like I said, to be renewed, to put on the old man, amen? Because again, putting on the old man doesn't mean uh, that you don't have a mortal body that will eventually wear out. But in heaven, our youth and our vigor and our strength are restored because we're given a new body. I mean, when you go to heaven, you might be 100 years old, but you're not a, when you get to heaven, you're back to being a young man or a young woman in Jesus' name. It's beautiful. Amen. And you're given a glorified, eternal body that never grows old, never grows sick, and doesn't even grow tired. You know, at the funeral of Frank, I said, thank God that Frank is not sick or old or suffering or bald anymore. Hallelujah. And his son came up to me after he said, you need to show me the scripture verse for that. Well, the Bible says I'll make all things new. Amen. 
Even those of you that are bald as an egg, there was one time when you had lovely flowing locks of hair, you know, there's some of you in the 70s down around your shoulders. Today, you know, what was, what was a little pathway has become a big motorway. Amen? But, but hallelujah, the time's going to come. It's going to be made new. Amen? You're going to be like a L'Oreal ad in heaven. Thank you, Jesus. I'm worth it. Amen. So, Revelation 22 and verse 1, it says, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal. Amen. Flowing from the throne of God. And it says, the lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. Thank you, Jesus. So there's a river of the water of life. And it says, either side of the river, it says, there's the tree of life uh, bearing, uh, it says, bearing crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every, every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. You know, we're living in a time right now where, where nations need to be healed. There's so much hatred, so much polarization, so much division. But you know what? I believe as the church, we're part of the answer. Amen? Because, listen, I know this. Politicians are not going to be able to solve this. Amen? It's the people of God. When we begin to pray and when we as the church begin to take our place in Jesus' name. Amen? And so, anyway... Maybe the first thing we do in eternity is take a dip in the, in the river of life and wash away the remnants of our earth life. Amen? And so, again, it's, it's beautiful to consider that, you know, we who have found life in Jesus have a river that runs through our soul. And this is why we have an, a, a heavenly parallel to what is an earthly reality. There's a river of life in heaven, but there's also a river of life on this earth. And it's a river that runs through your soul. Amen. You have the Spirit of God who, who, who fills you and will overflow in you. We have the waters of life through the water of God's Word. Amen. You, you, you know, the, the renewing of your mind with the Word of God. Amen. And so, again, we must appreciate what God has given to us. And that's why I thank God that we don't have to put off to the next life um, uh, what we can experience in this. We can experience God's presence here and now. Isaiah 28 and 11 says, in the Dewey Rames Bible, it says, For with the speech of lips and with another tongue, he will speak to this people to whom he said, This is my rest, refresh the weary, and this is the refreshing. But they would not hear. You see, there is a refreshing that we get through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's why I would encourage every you on a daily basis, pray in tongues. You mightn't understand what you're praying, but you're getting a refreshing. You're getting a renewing. You're releasing those rivers on the inside of your spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. And what God does by measure um, in this life through the Spirit, He does without measure in the next. Amen. Because we will be renewed and we will be refreshed. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Thank you, Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1 to 9. And it says, Hallelujah. That is the wrong reference. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And it says, For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation which is from heaven, if indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan. It's interesting, Paul doesn't say about this body, he says this tent. 
being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now, he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, and has also given the Spirit as a guarantee. So we're always confident, knowing that while... Um, we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well pleasing to Him. Hallelujah. So again, true death, we put off this tent, this body, we, we put off this tent and we're given a new body because a tent is a temporary structure. I love camping with the kids. It's great to go off and spend some quality time with them together. And it's, it's fun for a few hours. Hours. That's it. You know, it's, it's fun there cooking sausages under the stars or under the lashing rain. Um, and you know, there's, there's something liberating about peeing in the forest. And, um, you know, and it's always important to clarify to the kids where they can and cannot um, uh, uh, pee. But it, 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 it's fun, you know, it's a little different, but it always gets you when you lie down to go to sleep because there's always a branch or a stone or a rock under your back that you didn't notice when you're putting up the tent or one of the kids is, is vomiting or passing wind because you didn't cook the sausages properly or uh, there's just always something. And it's, you know, while it's fun, it wears off real quick. And, and even if it doesn't, you run out of food very quickly. And so you always look forward to the next morning when you pack up your tent, you pack up your things, and you go home to a nice soft bed and a nice warm shower and you get some real rest. And, um, but you know what? It's like that in this life. You know, the time comes when we put off this tent and we go home to heaven. Heaven is our home. And this is why the beautiful thing is, you know what? In heaven, we are renewed. There is no old or infirm people in heaven. Everybody is young and healthy and strong because it's there that the weary warrior can lay down their sword and their shield because there's going to be no more battles, no more enemies, no more attacks, no more trials or threats or needs. We will enter into his eternal rest. We will be renewed and dwell in the house of God forever. And this is why church is so important because again, church is an earthly reflection of the heaven, the heavenly reality. And that's why sometimes during the service, you, you sense something that's not of this world, something you never found in a party or in food or in uh, you know, alcohol or drugs or possessions or anything else. There's something from another realm because sometimes I believe during the, the, the church service, you can sense angels. You can sense the, the holy presence of God. You know, there are times when you're literally breathing the pure air of heaven when you're in his presence. And that's why you feel so refreshed after a church service. And again, you may be, you certainly may be tired. Um, uh, you know, particularly if you're working on a team, you may be tired, but you're spiritually renewed. Amen. And that's why often after a service on a Sunday, I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm weary and I, I, I try and go for a sleep after I have something to eat because, you know, you're up maybe from 5 a.m. and you're preparing for the, you know, the service and, and you know, you're preparing all week and you, you don't just prepare the, and I think it's important to understand as a preacher, you don't just prepare um, the message. You have to prepare the messenger. 
I mean, that is just as important. You may have the best message in the world, but if your heart isn't prepared, um, it, it, you know, it, it's, it's not going to do what God wants to do. And so I, I count it to be a very, you know, a, a tremendous privilege to be able to preach the gospel. But like I said, I often just after service and after I've spoken to people, go home, get something to eat and just go for a, a sleep because, you know, your flesh can only take so much of God's presence. You know, there's times when you're preaching that you, you sense the influence of another world uh, working, working with you. You, you. you feel the influence of, of, of heaven because, you know, God is, God is behind this message. It's his message. Amen. And so he works with you. Amen. And that's why afterwards, as times as a preacher, you just feel utterly drained because your flesh can only take so much of God's glory, of God's presence. But you know, the time's going to come when we put off this mortal body, uh, you know, the same way as when you wake up refreshed after a sleep. You know what? You're going to put off this mortal body and you're going you're gonna to open your eyes in, in heaven and you're going to be renewed. And so very, very quickly, I need to get through the rest of the points because I believe it's meant to be one message. Firstly, we're renewed. Secondly, we're reunited. Did you know that our loved ones and friends who have gone before us are eagerly awaiting our arrival? Amen. Uh, you know, many of you long to embrace your father or your mother or your grandparents again or maybe be reunited with a child, uh, you know, that died or to meet your great-grandparents or your ancestors through the ages. Like I said, maybe you lost or you miscarried or even aborted a child. They will be there waiting for you on those heavenly shores. Because the loss that we feel in the face of death is proof that our parting is not final. I mean, hands up any of you who miss a loved one. And maybe years later, you still miss them. There's, there's something on the inside. That, that is proof of the fact that in your heart, you know you're meant to see them again. I was talking to somebody recently. I was sharing the gospel with him. And he had a family member who was dying. And he said the strangest thing. He said uh, he was in bed last night. And he said his sister came to visit him. And he said she's been dead for years. He thought that you know, this man was hallucinating. I said no he's not. I, I believe that God sometimes sends your loved ones to meet you. They're so eager to see you. They can't wait till you arrive at the gates. They go there to, to, to you know, to help you as, you as you face, you know, the, the, I guess, crossing the Jordan. You know, because, you know, death is, is not something that, that anybody wants to face. And yet, sometimes I wonder, is God so kind and so loving that he sometimes sends, you know, uh, a loved one like a father or a mother or somebody who really touched your life? But I assure you of this, the angels will be there with you as you're crossing over that river. And that's the beauty, is we will be reunited with those who went before us. I thank you, Jesus. You know what? Family is forever. Yes. Just because you've left a loved one in the ground doesn't mean that parting is final. Family is forever. God is a merciful God. And you know what, even for those of us who failed in the past, I believe God redeems us. He gives us beauty for ashes. You know, it was the Irish poet and writer Thomas Moore who once said, Earth has no sorrow that heaven cannot heal. Isn't that beautiful? Yes. I think he was like 1790 to 1850. Heaven, earth has no sorrow that heaven cannot heal. And so, again... It's so beautiful to consider that, you know what, there's a life beyond this one. Think of the many people who blessed your life. The people who loved and encouraged you. 
maybe somebody who showed you in kindness or spoke a word of encouragement to you as a, as a kid. Um, you know, or even those, think about even those who fought to protect your freedoms long before you were born. I often think of those British and American and Canadian young men who, who literally bled the sea dry around Normandy on D-Day, fighting for freedom. Many of them were literally just teenagers. They were just kids. Many of them laid down their lives, you know, to purchase freedom for freedoms they would never enjoy themselves. You know, I, I respect the sacrifice those men and, and women made. Our, sorry, men. It was, I guess it was, it was, it was all men on, on D-Day, but I, I, I just think of those men who, who fought for freedom. And... Um, I think it's important that we remember them. That's why I wear a poppy every November. I know it's not an Irish thing to do. A lot of people, Irish people get kind of upset about that. But I think we need to get over that. And we need to recognize, you know what? All of us, all of us today enjoy freedom that others paid for in their own blood. Amen. And so I, I, I thank God for the memory of those British and American and all those other soldiers that, that, that fought and died. And so think about this. In heaven, we're going to be reunited. Think of the saints through the ages, the men and women who blessed your life. You know, the men and women who influenced and inspired you through their writings or through their example or even through their suffering. You know, I remember as a young man looking back at, at uh, when I was newly saved and I, I so wanted to meet Reinhard Bonnke. I so wanted to meet T.L. Osborne, Lester Summerall, you know, John Osteen. You know, sadly, I never, I never met any of them. They're gone on to glory now, every one of them. But, you know, I've all of eternity to get to know those men. But, you know, the time's going to come that, you know, you're going to meet, you know, Charles G. Finney. You're going to meet Paul, the Apostle, Peter, Wesley, Whitfield, Patrick, St. Patrick. You know, think of the party that there's going to be in heaven with all of these blessed and holy, uh, you know, men and women of God who went before us. Think of all of the joyful families that are going to be reunited. Very, very quickly. Three, we will be revealed. Romans 8, 19, it says... Uh, for the earnest expectation of the creature waited for the revealing of the sons of God. On that day, there will be no more secrets, no more unanswered questions or mysteries. All will be revealed. You know, uh, sometimes we ask why. How or why did this happen? You know, how did I lose my mother so early? Why did, why did my loved one suffer? You know, why did God allow this to happen? But it's important to understand that while you have questions, you know that he who loves you and, and keeps you and at times holds you, he has the answers. And so this is why until that day we trust, even when we don't understand. You know, David said in Psalm 56 and 3, when I'm afraid, I will put my trust in thee. You see, in heaven, we will be gloriously revealed as part of God's redeemed. Jude 1 and 14, it says, uh, it says, Behold, the Lord cometh with his thousands of angels. Do you know that if the Lord should tarry in returning, then some of us will go on to be with him in glory. But we will be by his side at his return. Amen. And so... People may look down on you because of your uh, gender or your color or your qualifications or lack of them or, or your age or whatever else like this. But you know what? Always remember this. You're a child of God. 
There is no higher honor a human being can have in this life or in the next than to be called a child of God. Amen. So again, you know, we will be revealed for who we are. We are loved. We are called. And the time will come when we will be revealed. The world is waiting, I believe, for the church to rise up by faith. For God's sons and God's daughters to be revealed. You know, during COVID, a lot of people became obsessed with who might be carrying uh, the virus. But you know what? Remember this. You are a carrier of God's glory. You are a carrier of God's presence. You bring God's presence into your job. You don't have to be preaching or shoving anything down anybody's throat. But as a child of God, you bring something. Amen. And that's why, again, God is looking for us to awaken. He wants us to take our place. Amen. To know who we are in Christ. To answer the call of God. Fourthly, we will be rewarded. Isaiah 62 and 11. The Lord has made the proclamation of the earth. Say to the daughter of Zion. See, see your Savior comes. See, his reward is with him. And his recompense accompanies him. Hallelujah. The new living says, look, your Savior is coming. See, he brings his reward with him as he comes. Do you know that you will be rewarded for the work that you do for Christ? Whether it's teaching children or discipling young believers or, you know, giving out flowers, winning souls, knocking on doors, you know, ushering, worship, whatever you're doing for God, supporting the gospel financially. You know, you know we couldn't do what we're doing unless we have faithful people who give. You know, two, two weeks ago, like I said, we sent a couple of thousand over to a church that's helping uh, refugees in, in uh, uh, Romania. And uh, this week, we, you know, we didn't take up a specific offering because we're going to next weekend. But we sent a thousand over to Valeria to help her and her, her family and Hoover, whoever needs help over there. But you know what? That's what the Bible says, that there is meat in my house. If there's no meat in God's house, we can't do anything. Our hands are tied. And so I think it's important to understand, you know, you know, this isn't a ministry where we're, you know, obsessed with money. We're not, you know, looking to manipulate people. You know, we believe there's a balance to the whole area of finances. But you know what? Again, I do believe our mentality has to change with regards to money. Because if we will honor God financially, then the church will have the, the means to be able to do what it's called to do in terms of influencing and affecting whether our immediate community or the world at large. Amen? So anyway, we will be rewarded. And this is the beautiful thing. The, the truth is this. Many will see on that day how they wasted so much of what God entrusted into their hands. Because life is ultimately all about stewardship. Our time, our talent, our finances, whatever it is. God gave it to us. And one day we will give an account to him about what we did with what he gave to us. Jesus said in Matthew 6. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. So where is your treasure? Is your treasure on earth or is your treasure in heaven? If your treasure is in heaven, then it will affect the way you give. Thank you for that complete silence. You see, you can build on what is passing, or you can build on what is eternal. But we will only be rewarded for what makes it true the far. And there is much of our works, I believe, that will be burned up. And that's why it's so important to hear a message like this and to consider, am I building on what is passing or am I building on what is eternal? 
Hebrews chapter 11, and it says, uh, if they had been uh, thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. But it says, instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. You see, we're just passing through this world. We're called to live a different life according to different standards. But we will be rewarded by the king, amen, and uh, you know what we have done for the king and his kingdom. So if you're serving on a team, you're not serving for me or Pastor Joanna, you're doing it for God. But you will be rewarded in this life, but also in the next. And let me say this, some of you might do some great things for God if you had the humility to serve and the ability to give God your undivided focus. You see, in heaven, let me just very quickly recap. We will be renewed, we will be reunited, we will be revealed, we will be rewarded, and lastly, we will be rejoicing. Joy unspeakable and full of glory, the Bible says. Revelation 19 and six. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude and the sound of many waters and as the sound of mighty thundering saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife hath made herself ready. You see, heaven is a place where we will rejoice for all of eternity. There will be no disappointment, no betrayal, no hurt, no fear or lack that can exist in that place. Do you know that even your pets will be there? Yeah. Billy Graham said this, God will prepare everything for our perfect happiness in heaven. And if it takes my dog being there, I believe he'll be there. You know, some of you were brokenhearted as kids with the death of your pet. You know, some of you always wanted to have, you know, some strange pets. Maybe you wanted a hippopotamus or an elephant or a giraffe or maybe one of those genetically modified animals, those little chihuahua things with the strange looking. You're going to have it there. I believe that. Amen. Because God knows you better than anybody else because he made you. Amen. And so we don't know everything about heaven, but we do know this. The streets are paved with gold. That heaven is above and not below us. And that we will praise and worship God for all of eternity. Think of the joy that you will feel when you embrace your loved one once again. To hear them say how much they love you and how much they missed you. You know, I'm wearing my dad's tie today. It's the only thing I have from my dad. It's probably about 40 years old. And I'm just reminded, you know, my dad died in 2018. We never really understood each other. He, he, he couldn't comprehend why I didn't want to go out and drink and chase women or do what other young guys were doing. He couldn't understand why I was up in his garage at night praying in, in a strange language he didn't comprehend. He, he, just, he just couldn't fathom it. But you know what? I know he's in heaven. And I know the time's going to come that I'm going to see him again. And... Uh, you know, we will be reunited with our loved ones and we're going to rejoice. We're going to rejoice. I'm going to think, you know, I'm going to be reunited with my grandfather. You know, he was brought up in an orphanage and he went through some terrible things in his life. But you know, it's going to be so wonderful when the time comes from here for me to introduce my grandfather to my children. You know, he, he loved children. 
He, when I was a little boy, he was always taking me up in his arms and tickling me with his face and drawing cars for me. I used to plague him because he was a draftsman, he was a builder. I was always asking him to draw, draw cars that I could color in as a little boy. You know, I'm, I'm going to see my granddad. I'm going to see my grandmother. I, you know, I, I just think of how wonderful heaven is. And at times I think this life is so immediate and it's so in your face. And life comes at you hard. It comes at you fast. Sometimes it can blind us to eternal realities. It can blind us to the, to the goodness that is before us. How many of you know the best is yet to come? The best is yet to come. If you know Jesus is your Savior, heaven is your home, and the best is yet to come. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, I think of those big, beautiful gates of heaven. Do you know at the gates of heaven, there's a big mat, and it says, welcome home. Welcome home. I think of that old song they used to sing when I was a kid. Welcome home, welcome. Come on in and close the door. You've been gone too long. Welcome home. You're here once more. Think of that. Think of your grandmother, your mother, your father. They're going to greet you at the gates. You're going to stand on those streets of gold. You're going to see those big, huge, pearly gates swinging wide. You're going to hear the angels singing. You're going to see the saints of the ages, the heroes of the faith. You're going to be shoulder to shoulder with these men and women of God. You're going to be embraced by your loved ones. But more importantly than anything else, you're going to behold Him. You're going to see him who still has the holes in his hands, the holes in his side, and the holes in his feet. The one who loved you and died for you on the cross. For God so loved the world. We're going to be in the presence of our heavenly father for all of eternity and we're going to rejoice. <laughs>